he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends. Here we are, another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. My name is Anthony Bolotta. I'm here as I am every week with my one and only Bolotophile, Alex Apostolides. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm feeling just marvelous, thank you. Yes. You look delicious. You brought me down. You brought me to a good spot, to a to a, a level, a level-headed spot. There's a lot of craziness already in the world, and our industry is bonkers. Yeah, we it's knew, bonkers. We knew, we knew it was going to be crazy, and yet here we are. And mm-hmm. uh, how are you feeling about you know re- resuming the pace that we were? You know, having is it okay with- to tell you I have mixed feelings about it? Oh God, yeah, I do too. Okay, I have Trust real me. mixed feelings about it. Yeah, so, I do too. Trust me. Um, I was really hoping that one of the things that would become a universal recognition, um, that'll help, with the pandemic, would be the idea that there needs we need more balance in life. And I'm hoping that just because everything's coming back at an incredibly rapid rate, that we're just finding our footing and that that balance will happen because it's it's necessary. It really is necessary, Um, you know, because we have lives, too. Right. And our lives explode. And my life is exploding. My personal life is exploding a lot right now. Um, Yes, it is. Yes. And. uh, in more ways than one. In more ways than one. Um, I checked my mail yesterday, and when I went out there, I'm just going to say this. I've been handling a personal thing very, very well. The fact that my daughter's going off to college and all that, right? So proud of myself. I've been cool as a cucumber, super excited, super happy. Went to the mail, checked it, and there was her cap and gown, and I lost it. Oh, I lost it. Oh, mommy. Right all night. Oh, mommy. Oh, you're a little girl. But you know what? I get it. Well, I think I get it because I'm not a parent. But I can say this to you. Wow. You have raised the most fabulous, uh, grounded, intelligent, uh, mindful, thoughtful, young woman that I've come to know in a very long time. So I think that even though this is sad, because she's kind of leaving the nest, you, you've built, you still have a lifetime of great, 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 great. I mean, it's just another chapter, right? I mean, there's so much more that so many more moments. I mean, this is really, really, this is your opportunity to sort of sit back and say, okay, I plan a little butterfly. Exactly. Fly and watch. And she's going to give you so many proud moments. 
I just know it. Not only, not only when she's trying to, but even when she's not trying to, because she's just all of the things I've just said. And, uh, you know, you have so much to be proud of, so much to look forward to. So much. Okay. So there's just my pep a year early, you know, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. so proud of her for everything she's done and all the work and doing everything a year earlier than all of her peers. Um, you know, that is a year less. And then of course the situation at home where she hasn't been able to live with me for the past six weeks. And so that's a little difficult because I want her home. I miss her. Yeah. I mean, I see her, but not every day. You're going to have to plan some special nights with her. Oh, we do. We go out. We go out for dinner. We go, we do things. um, I mean, to sort of make up for what's happening now, you know, like maybe give yourself some extra special nights or something. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, She's going off to school in September. Yes. And she moves into her housing. She has student housing and she moves in the first week in August. Yes, yeah, so first week of August. So she'll leave. She's leaving the nest at the end of July, first week of August. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you think you'll see her while she's yeah. in college? Yeah. No, well, so- I mean, you know, and I'm going to be moving in November, um, but so I'll be a little bit further away from her. But, you and, know, right now I'm right down the street from yeah. state state. So, it, yeah, mm-hmm. she'll, we'll see each other. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So stop belly aching. Yeah. Yeah. It's just seeing the cap and gown made everything real that she's graduating high school and that's a huge thing and again i was so impressed with myself like god i'm just flying through this i'm just so proud and happy and then that hit and then janet came to the house last night she was coming over for dinner and i opened the door and down they went oh what's wrong i was sobbing it's kind of funny the tangible evidence. Yeah, that's just yeah. it. It's like yeah, that it just, just you in the face. made that yeah. real. So, so uh, we are crazy busy, and that's part of the reason why everything is so crazy for you. You have a, a gal, a, a young lady leaving the nest and going to school, and uh, wackadoodle living above you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you're also studying some uh, other techniques, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just feeling like, wow, the world is already suddenly turned on. This is going to be a crazy summer, even crazier than last summer. And, you know, it's funny how the the hunger for engagement and uh, experience after two years of being denied uh, is, is being satiated at the costs that you have to pay today to have that, mm-hmm. which is of course much higher than it was before the pandemic. But it doesn't matter, is my point. People are going out in droves and they're experiencing and they're, you know, they're traveling and they're booking hotel rooms and they're meeting again. And I was just talking to somebody who is uh, already a an instructor at SDSU, San Diego State, uh, in the undergrad program. He teaches a a business analytics course, but he's a florist and has been in the event industry for a long time. And he's talking about going in, you know, taking the class. But nonetheless, he just did a big event in Palm Springs for four or five nights uh, 
and there was a big concert, a celebrity concert. It was for a, a, a corporate, one of the first corporations that I've heard about doing anything, but there you have it. It's starting to happen is my point. Uh, people are coming back and the, the, the need for experience is greater than ever. And so at least right now, we're going to see expenditures for experience related expenses. We're going to see money spent on bands and entertainment and uh, things that make uh, an event come alive. Hopefully that'll continue in the next year when the, when the budget shock hits and people realize, oh, you know, everything is more expensive. Hopefully that will, you know, remain the case. But for now, that seems to be what's up. Well, even socially, you know, I've, I've helped plan my reunions, high school reunions every year we've had one. And so I've been out, you know, looking at venues and being in meetings for that with the, you know, the people that we work with. And uh, it was a toss up. Do we have the reunion this year with a possible mask mandate? Because who really wants to pay a hundred and some odd dollars if you have to wear a mask, right? And eat like that. Or do we wait a year knowing probably that next year prices are going to be even higher? This is this year? Yeah, this, uh, we're, I think we decided on in September. Do you think you'll, you'll wear a mask in September? Well, we're the, the, the reunion specialists are the people that we've always worked with. And because uh, our president, the, the, the woman who was our high school president all four years of high school, um, she, she has been working with reunion specialists and they, they're, it's mandatory for them that they will only work with venues that have indoor outdoor space. So that if there is a mass mandate, we can be outside without it. Um, I'm hoping that that's not the case because, you know, it's been 10 years since people have seen each other and nobody wants to see only that. Don't you think that if we are wearing masks in September, then we're likely going to be wearing masks next year as well? I mean, doesn't... I, I think so, yeah. So I don't... I just say go for it. Go ahead yeah. with it. We are. We've decided. Good, 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 good. I, I think that... Um, I mean, I do think the worst of it is over for people who have been vaccinated at least um, there's still a risk and there's still another strain but uh, as has been talked about and told to us for for over a year now it's going to become endemic like a flu and that's what we're seeing and so a mask I think is a good idea if you are immunocompromised not that I'm an expert but this is how I look at it or if um, you're not feeling well, you feel ill and you have to be in public, put a darn mask on and let's get used to that. Yeah. Um, so let's not completely assume we're gonna be a maskless society. Let's, let's embrace the mask. Embrace it. And use it when appropriate. <laughs> I'm just right. gonna do a big Z on mine, you know. There the you mask go. of Zorro, not Zorb. Not Zorb. <laughs> or the mask of, I'm sorry, the mask of, uh, Oh God, Zobrick. Ah, the movie, the Greek, you know, with the, um, Quinn, yeah, Anthony Quinn. Yeah, I had it in my in my mind, and then and then I completely lost it. 
the mask of Zorbo. Zorbo, yeah, yeah. Zorba. Zorba, that's it. Yeah. The mask of Zorba. Ileana and I were just talking about that too. You know. Zorba the Greek. Yeah. So speaking about speaking of Greek, I don't even think he's Greek, but I just I was going to use that as a, a, a intro line anyway. Our guest is here waiting for us to bring yes. him out. So would you do the honors? I Madame? would. And he's very much not Greek, but he's an honorary Greek. We'll give him that. How's that? Um well, he, so he might go Greek. <laughs> he might go Greek. Well, I mean, so it's super exciting. I know I say I'm, I love this person and, and I, whatever I say, I'm very sincere, but this particular person, I've been friends since 1992. I've known him longer than I've known you. And there's your wow. rhyme for the day. Uh, he's highly skilled in improv. And in 2000, he left his career in information technology to follow his passion in improvisation. And that led to business practices and professional development. He's a team building facilitator. He started his own company called Team Provising. He's coach. He's an author. His book is Public Speaking, Get A's, Not Z's. He's a keynote speaker. He's a host. And he's a member of the National Speakers Association. So please, let's welcome my very sweet, wonderful, dear friend, Milo Shapiro. Hello, Milo. Well, hello. Milo. Right before you did that, I went, I hope he sings it like Hello, Dolly. Really? Yeah, I did. Here, so, you and me. Hi, Milo. Hello. It's so nice to uh, be with you on yeah. our on our podcast. That's a real treat to get a whole hour of your time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, You're a busy man. Yeah, I guess I'm a little he busy. Is. Yeah, I'm a yes, little busy. Yeah, I have to admit. I don't know what happened. It was so nice for a while. It's like... You know, it's either feast or famine in our world. Mm-hmm. You had either. to go and cure that thing and make your time busy again. What was that all about? I know. Couldn't they just keep giving us money and just telling us to stay home? That was lovely. <laughs> I don't know why people complain. Some didn't. I know some yeah. people who felt like it was a blessing. All the introverts were like, yeah. <laughs> oh, hindsight is twenty twenty, Except not that year. <laughs> like nobody wants to remember 2020 and we, and we all went in with such you know great expectations right you know yes. right 2019 you, was such a good year for me yeah same here do you still have good uh high expectations for the rest of the decade um think- the whole decade i yeah i think from 25 on it's gonna get real good really not, like not it's not gonna take t- we're still trying to figure out who we are we, we, we changed fundamentally as people in the last few years. We re-examined everything. And I think it's going to take a while for that to settle down. And then I think it's going to be great again. That makes that makes sense. The only thing is I'm not getting any younger. I don't have another two years just to wait and wait and wait. Let's do this. I know. I keep thinking when my business takes off where I wanted to go, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be thinking about retirement now. Hmm. But uh, yeah. that's an old know. wives tale. Yeah, and I have no interest in retirement. Not Southern California. Yeah, no. no, and that and the American dream, I think those are just, they're just antiquated concepts. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't exist yeah. in today's environment anymore. Really, the, the right American dream right now is to do something you really love so that when you probably don't retire from it, it's not so bad. Yeah, and I think a lot of people from from what I've read, a lot of people are feeling freer to do just that, to, you know, 
try going out on their own and, uh, you know, investing in themselves. Yeah, Not a I bad had my thing. midlife crisis at 35 years ago, so I don't get to have another one. Yes. Oh, why not? Part two. Oh. Well, I hope I don't Midlife have to. crisis part two. <laughs> I hope I don't have to because I chose better at 35 than I did at 20. Well, you know, also because everything after midlife crisis is just a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. All right. I, I hate it when people tell me, oh, honey, midlife was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> middle age, because I'm middle age. I'm, I'm going to be 112 if I'm middle aged. So. But, but the, <laughs> it's okay. It'd be so bad. I just don't me then. Yeah. But see, middle age has always been 40, but, but the rate of uh, life expectancy hasn't always been 80 and above, at least right. not for men. Yeah. So, you know, it's just the way we soothe ourselves by saying, oh, yeah, we're midlife at 40. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm a little afraid now. When my grandfather was 94, he started using the phrase advanced middle-aged. Oh, I love him. Yes. You, that was just, you wouldn't take old, but I'll accept advanced middle-aged. I, I think that's probably part of the trick, you know? Well, you when I reach middle age, I'll let you know what uh, you can call me, but I'm, I'm not there yet. So I don't want to be there that day, Alex. <laughs> I will, I'm not answering the phone if it's that day. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the, the scream heard around the world. <laughs> So I'm curious about your book, Public Speaking for Teens, Get A's, Not Z. Oh, right to the I love that. Well, the I'm going book. right to the team book because yeah. I think that's fascinating. And I love the fact that you geared it towards teens. Thanks. And I, I wonder about how it's doing for you and tell me a little bit about how that was. Too. Sure. I can't, I can't jump to it without at least mentioning that the original was Public Speaking, Get A's, Not Z's. And it wasn't, didn't say for adults because... It was just intended for people who want to read public speaking. Right. That's right. And so that was doing pretty well. And it was getting me bookings to speak on the book. And I did an event for a group of people who work with teens, a group called the young Marines, none of whom pretty much are Marines. There are some retired ones in there, but the idea is the young Marines is the teens who are working for them to set them up to, even if they never join the Marines to have some of the values and and hardworking ethics of the Marines. And as people were in line buying both of my books, people kept saying, is this book appropriate for teens? And I was like, it's not inappropriate, but it's, but it's all the examples are very business and office oriented. It's not geared for teens. And driving home from, I think it was Long Beach from that event, it hit me about a third of the way. I'm like, oh, they're saying they need a book like that. Uh, duh. Mm-hmm. And then I started reaching, researching what was out there. and There wasn't anything that I thought was a great fit. So it took me two years to write my first book, uh, the one for adults, and about three months to write that one because it was mostly the same things. I mostly just changed the, the examples and the context mm-hmm. and had teenagers read it to say references you don't get, tone of voice that's not appropriate. And I picked some really sharp teenagers who were like, I don't know this story. I don't know who this person is. Uh, this sounds like a teacher talking at me. Just tried to make it something that teenagers would enjoy reading and give them that legs up because uh, they have that opportunity to go into college and into their first jobs more able to express themselves clearly than some of their peers. Mm-hmm. And that makes such a difference. Oh my gosh, it's well. the biggest difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, I, what I really love about that entire story is your takeaway. And for business owners, the adaptability and the willingness to be open to ideas, the fact that you had that epiphany at all oh they need a book for teens is 
the right kind of business-minded thinking, uh, I've seen so many times the retort being, no, it's not for teens, <laughs> without really thinking about what the ask is and what the customer wants and needs. So you tapped into that immediately. That's brilliant. That and saying, not saying, oh, but writing that book wasn't on my business plan and I don't want to not achieve my goals for this year. So I'm not going to write that book. Right. Uh, I'm not big on the whole setting your goals and working your business plan. I know there's advantages to it, but I have seen so many people pigeonhole themselves and not Mm -hmm. be open to what is in need and what, I mean, I was excited to write that book much more than I was to do a few of the things I had planned to do. So I can't, I won't say I dropped everything, but it became my new kind of top priority. So in this case, you were, you were, had already written a book. Yes. So the idea of writing two books, so the idea of writing sort of a sequel to one of them was not uh, overwhelming to you at all. No, you, no, it was, it was actually kind of exciting to go, what, how else can I do this? And that last step of publishing, which was the hardest part to learn, that I knew what to do with. Right. So now you really have the tools to do this and fe- feeling like you can go. But you said something about people. You said people pigeonhole them, hold themselves. And I thought that too. And I wonder, is that because they don't push themselves to try something new? Or is that because they don't think about doing something new? It's probably different for each person. And, and I would bet both things show up for a lot of people. There's a fear involved in saying I'm doing okay. If I veer off the path, am I throwing away everything I've done so far? And in most cases, I don't think that's the case as long as you're not missing opportunity. So, I mean, I'm not gonna not answer the phone and take a team building event because I'm working on my speaking career. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take that call, I'm gonna work that job, but I might not market my team building at that moment if there's things I really wanna do about my speaking career at that time. It's, it's, it's letting go enough to say, there's more than one thing within my right. realm that makes me bigger and broader in the long run. One of the did, things, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. One of the things that I've been learning since I've been doing these, you know, the, the courses and the training that I'm taking now, it's, it's about setting intentions. What is your intention? Because when you set the intention for what you want, what you want to achieve, what you, how you want to feel, then you keep yourself open a little bit more to the flexibility and the possibility and the paths. It broadens your thinking. And I would say coupled with adaptability and the Mm -hmm. willingness to be just that adaptable and to not think it's going to happen one way. It needs to happen one way. Uh, You know, because I I do think that's where we kind of, we set our sights on something so much that we don't see it coming in another door perhaps so maybe the mix of this is what i want and i'm open to how that's going to look is the key i think alex is is more intentional than i am just knowing her i can see her visualizing it she probably has vision boards she probably for sure things that she chants or something um but i think it she sits on a crystal she's (laughs) actually sitting on a crystal right now one of those crystal balls that you sit on that says mm-hmm. just to get the energy. But I probably just told so many people that I love doing the team building because I love helping people. I love the energy. I love watching a difference with people. And that's what I was kind of putting out there. And then when it showed up in other ways, 
I hadn't foreseen it. Like when I started speaking, I was just enjoying the audience aspect and, and sharing with them. I didn't expect people to come up to me afterwards and say, would you work with me on my speaking skills? Would you work with me and my staff on, on their presentations? And at first I said no to that because that wasn't what I was doing, but it was still a, an aspect of helping people in the world of working together and communicating. So when it kind of fell in my lap, I said, oh, this is another way I can do it. And it's not that far from being a speaker to help people with their speaking. It's not selling candy all of a sudden. It's in the same realm. It can fit on the same website sort of without looking mm -hmm. like, what? So I think I think there was that intention, Alex. It just showed up in ways I hadn't expected. Well, you know what they say in the world of woo-woo, right? In the, in the world of woo-woo, it's you ask what you want, you say what you want, right? Your manifestation, what is it you want? And then you get out of your own way because the how, the why, the when is none of your business. That makes sense. You're more woo-woo than me. I'm just a little bit woo. But I, I yeah, I'm 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 woo-woo. I'm woo-woo uh, squared. I'm actually woo-woo cubed. So I, I would have to say I'm a little woo too. Um, woo-woo helps. Well, together you yeah. make woo-woo, so you're good. Yeah. You, you're you're almost at my level. Almost. Yeah, I don't even know what to do with that. I really don't. <laughs> I'm going to try. They're going to cut us off the air. Right. It's hers. It's all hers. Yes, for sure. In the team building, are you thinking about new ways now that we're coming back after COVID um, to bring people together in activity? Um, yeah. Great question. I, when I started the company and team building with improv games was all I was going to do initially. And I thought, and I'll eventually branch out to do more kinds of team building. And what I discovered was, no, what I'm really good at is using the improv games to help people recognize things about the way they communicate and how they are afraid to fail and then finding that nonverbal communication. And what happened was instead of looking for other ways to do team building, I brought the improv games into my speeches. I used the improv games to help people improve their speaking skills. So instead of going out and saying, I guess I could learn how to do a uh, a treasure hunt or i could go out and learn how to do this and those things that wasn't where all my passion was it would have just been the next thing i could do so i learned a while back when this is a really hard lesson when the money is there sometimes but to say no when it's not who you really are and what you do well better to to have partners you can refer in that so that really is my lane for the team building work uh but it varies a little bit somebody said well but as part of that could you do simon says i'm like that feels improv -y. That's working with a crowd. That's learning how to listen more. That felt like it was in line with who I am and what I do. So I added the Simon Says factor, but I didn't start doing go-karts. It's just not, I'm not going to be Mr. Team Building just to, for the sake of it. I feel and like I want to say yes and right now, just saying. <laughs> That's my life. And, and I would say as somebody who, you know, has an agency and works with different types of corporations that, um, that, that what you do uh, will appeal to very specific types of people like go-karting would appeal to a specific type of person, which may not be the same audience that you have right now. Right. I think of your audience as being more cerebral. And, uh, I, I think of somebody doing that as being more action oriented, uh, and, and maybe I'm, you know, it's my it's my life to do this so maybe i'm you know, 
You're kind of right. I mean, I'm profiling my event, my event audiences here, but in a sense, there are some groups that are going to want just by nature that what they, you know, they ask me what they want to do, want to do something more physical, more outdoorsy. Um, And so I, I sometimes point out to them, is everybody in your group really up for it? Or are you going to have the people who that's their thing and there are the other people who don't want to be there? Or are you going to do that all day? And then the evening, hmm, I guess we're going to go sit around the bar. So why don't you do that during the day? And we could do an, a 90 minute evening session with the improv games. Once people have had a chance to get home and clean up and come back. So, and I've had the go-kart kind of events go, Ooh, they want us to keep them busy all night, but we can't do more go-karts. Could you come in and do something? So something to, or weather. Go-karts are not going to be the right answer necessarily. Right. It's winter in Detroit, but I might be. There's also less liability to bring you in. Much less. Let's, let's just talk about that. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. I haven't lost one yet. <laughs> Don't, close and that, knock on wood. It was a 75-year-old woman who was laughing so hard she had to sit down for a while. But other than that, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody you know is, has a problem. And it's not that cerebral. The cerebral people love it, but it's it's also goofy and fun. And I'm more physical. There is a little bit more physics physical in my improv than some others. A game where we're tossing sponge balls to each other and creating patterns. So I do have people being a little bit more active, but definitely sponge balls because you have to really work hard to hurt someone with a sponge ball. Oh, I'm and, up for the challenge. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see you in the cast and the boot afterwards. I threw a sponge ball and it didn't go well. Why do you think we're here virtually? This is safer. <laughs> it's just safe for that this way. Side, it's on me, literally. Exactly, exactly. So are you getting um, are you getting a lot of calls now for speaking engagements or uh, otherwise? Uh, um, I'm starting to get the speaking a little bit more. Not so much the team building yet. And I think that's partly because people are working more remotely. So nobody wants to be in a team right now. Right. It's a bigger expense to bring in people from seven different cities to do a team building because you just started to hire that way. Because why during 2020 only hire people in your city? Um, So it hasn't happened, obviously, as people in the same city work together. And the need is there because the people are only talking on the phone and connecting virtually. But it's harder to bring them together. But speaking is picking up and coaching has picked up tremendously, thank goodness. So what about doing something virtually, doing a team building virtually? Did my my first one in, I think, October, November. Uh, And because it was a small enough group, it went well. It needed to be a small enough group, though, because I need to be able to see everyone. So uh, I know you can get 50 on a screen in Zoom, but when everybody is the size of an eraser on a pencil, I can't work with right, that 40 minutes. so at right. 25 middle age happen and then we decided to work with two people and break them into two rooms and then trade and then bring them back for a couple of big games all together so that there was still more of the one-on-one attention and that worked well i don't know if i'd want to take on really big groups with it because so much of what makes it work is that one-on-one feedback that i give people if you and alex are in a scene together and, and you say something and alex says something and then you say something and struggle i go i anthony i I think you built on the last thing you just said. Listen to what Alex said again. Build specifically on Alex just said. And then, and then, oh, great, it's going well. And your boss over in the corner says to me, I've wanted to say that to him for years. How come you can just say that? I'm like, because they're just playing a game with me. But you're critiquing Anthony's work. I'm not that you have a boss, you're the boss. But if there was right. a boss, we can, and people really do have those ahas playing the games, but the feedback really helps. And if I'm working with 80 people, I say, okay, here's the game, go. They don't get that. So what's a small group? I like to work with 10 to 30. 
for online think, they, for online not more than 24 because i have to be the 25th box see no i think there's a market there uh, i think as I you know, know please well i just, i'm just not in that that yeah because the virtual is not something i i'm into at all i mean we have been but we're not really we're servicing it now but we're not really focused on it um but in the good but in the team building world there's a greater need for it because teams are not together they're you know and they loved it people who who all lived in different places that they brought together who showed up on that zoom had a great time i got a really nice letter from them uh but but the virtual has its limitations for sure my main keynote i decided i did not want to do because it would have meant in, in my program we got to fail to succeed I talk for about 20, 25 minutes, share stories of the world and business. And then I break them all into pairs in the audience and everybody plays these games. I run around, I eavesdrop. I share a couple of things I overlap, but there's that energy in the room of everyone playing. And the one time we tried it, we sent everyone to breakout rooms and they came back, but there wasn't that energy in the little two people playing by themselves. They got to, but it just wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. So my two man show keynote, I've done that one virtually because we could be in the same room, even if everybody else was in a different place and we're playing the improv games, we're proving the business points. Everyone had a great time. We could still take suggestions both live and in the chat. So that one worked better, but the other one did you know, something just do. My public speaking keynote, the one on speaking skills works great virtually. I don't think it loses anything. I've gotten terrific feedback on that because it's fun. It uses the PowerPoint. It's easier to share PowerPoint on Zoom than it is in person, less they can go wrong. So do you do you actually uh, survey your audiences afterward? I give them the opportunity to. They all get a survey that they can send back or not. Uh, and of course, I go back to the event planner and say, how'd it go? What did you hear back? And I want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm -hmm. because that helps me to know what to do different. That's good. You need that kind of relationship. Oh, yeah. It's the yeah. right kind of relationship. Because it is a team. Uh, you know, It's a handoff, if you will when you're working with an agency and yeah. when, when you, and that's the, the kind of relationship it should be. Um, it shouldn't be anything but that. Uh, and some are, some people don't work that way. They're a little gruff or they make it hard or they, they think you should know what's in their heads or, you know, there's a lot of that. I have a questionnaire that's about four pages long before a speaking event and somewhere in the middle of page three, usually people go, I have never been asked this many questions before. And I'll say, I say to them, when I started this business, there was one page of questions. The last three are stuff that along the way came from one time when we all wish we had asked that question up front. And by the time we're done, I've had, I've had people go, can I have this list? I think I want to use it with future speakers because there was something that I would not have thought to mention, but you're right. Those were really good things to know. Something simple, like I'm booked for an hour keynote. Okay. You end up starting late for whatever reason. It can't get started or the introduction person goes too long. Am I stopping right on time to, so that you got the people out to their bathroom break at an hour? Or are you gonna say afterwards, why did you stop? We paid you for an hour. Some, it's like 50-50 who says we paid you for an hour, do an hour versus event players who go, why didn't you adjust? We ran late, you should have known to do that. So now I just say up, up front, let me know. But it's a question most speakers don't think to ask. Right. Yeah. Uh, you'd kind of learn those mm -hmm. lessons. Yeah. 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 We, we, ha we've learned that one too, you know? Uh, and I, rem I remember times when I was younger in my career, having worked tirelessly on a project, uh, and having somebody go long. So the right. audience doesn't respond or they, you know, they walk out even before you start because 
they're tired or they have to pee. So, you know, you loot, you've lost them. And yeah. It's, and if you have PowerPoint, it's really hard to make up the difference. Uh, yeah. But I do. My last story in any program I do, I always have a six minute, four minute, two minute and 30 second version of my closing. So that when it ends at exactly 59 and a half minutes and the event planner says, oh, look how well that worked out. That was great. I'm like, yeah, that was a total luck accident. Sure. Uh, no, it's because I've got to make sure I'm, I'm making them look good. But there are tricks to the trade to making that happen. That's just one of the ones I have to use. It's well, not, that, I have to do the 30 second version because I'm ruining a good story, but I got to get out right. while showing that slide. And you'd rather be ready for it and be prepared for it than here, right. you know, at the last minute you have to make a change. Uh, and that's the difference uh, between the professionals and, and the amateurs is that kind of prep. It's being ready for really just about anything. It's, I, I've been calling this guerrilla theater since I started in 1986, <laughs> and that is exactly what it is. And, uh, you know, you do, you have to be prepared because the last thing you want to do is um, start putting the responsibility for your prep work on someone else. And it's not an intention, but it happens when you do things like say, well, I normally bring this and this, but, you know, they didn't really say anything about needing this. So I'll just bring this instead. I won't worry about bringing, but when you know your intuition is telling you, bring both that's what you normally do be prepared because it's the small those are the moments that we make the decisions that end up turning to problems you know we're not we're not thinking clearly and you you are you are the um a, a, you represent best case best practice excuse me so. be, yeah i i'm i'm hearing it you know and, and doubling up on things to be extra safe like i always require the client to provide the remote and now there is never a time i show up without a remote after the time i showed up and they were like oh did nobody pack this and 20 minutes before my speech i am driving from hotel to hotel in that area begging someone to rent me a remote uh never finding one in the 20 minutes i drove around driving back and we worked out a signal where their person i said here's what's going to happen every time i go like this you hit enter because i can't spend the whole keynote sitting at the enter key hitting it like this so it's going to be your key to do that and we're going to tell them in the intro that we work this out so it doesn't look like i just think i can snap at people and they do what i tell them you're going to tell them where the remote was forgotten so this is a signal we worked out he said oh that's a great idea and then he didn't say it so at least we had the signal worked out even though he made me look like i was expecting him to do my bidding when i snapped <laughs> Milo, do you think that all of your years doing improv lends to your on-site flexibility or your event flexibility? Oh, do you think absolutely. that you're much quicker thinking on your feet because of that training? Yeah, absolutely. To, to know that when things happen on the fly, to be able to make up a line, put the audience at ease, handle, okay, let's use this instead of that then. There was one time I said on a stage, I was talking about uncertainty. That was what we were talking about at the time. I said, and you just never know what's going to come up. And at that moment, almost like on cue, a tremendous banner, it must have been 40 by 10 vinyl, came crashing down onto the stage behind me and missed me by a few feet. And people were startled and worried for me. I mean, I was fine. It was a few feet behind me. But I had just said, you don't know what's going to come up. And I just looked out and smiled and said, or what's going to come down? And I got a laugh. And I said to everybody, look, we could try and drag that off the stage, but that's going to be way more distracting than just leaving it there. Can we just let that go? It's on the stage. I'll stand in the front of the stage and just kept on going. 
And people said afterwards, oh my gosh, that would have totally thrown me off. How did you act so calm? You were so relaxed. I said, I was not relaxed. My heart was racing. I almost got hit by that thing. But if the audience saw the fear in my face, it was going to ruin the rest of the presentation for them. And it was a good gig. I wanted to work for them again. So just being able to think quickly, I think, can make a, a big difference. Little things uh, can, make, can make that change. Well, it's also really, if you think about it, it's where you get to show your professionalism. It's really, that's the moment. That was the moment of opportunity for you to overcome it and for them to see that. Um, and it's not, you can't plan it. You can't say, oh, no. I'm going to overcome whatever, because you don't know what's going to happen, right? You just said it. I've been <laughs> accused of it. I've had people say afterwards, I didn't buy that. You made that happen so you could say that line. They're like, oh my gosh, you can not the vinyl one. Everybody knew I didn't do right. that. But I, I did a thing for the Chamber of Commerce afterwards where the person loaded the wrong PowerPoint. I said, there's two icons. Be sure you click on the bottom one. And he clicked on the top one. And it was only about 10 slides in that I realized none of my customization that I promised them I did was going to be there. And in the middle of a story, I stopped and said, hang on, everyone. And I looked at the AV guy. I said, there were two icons. And I think I told you to click on the top one. It was actually the bottom one. Can I ask you to kick that off? And I'll just catch it up. I knew I had told him the right thing, but I wasn't going to make him look bad in front of the audience. And then I just, uh, as I finished the story, I said, so let's look at the pictures that would have gone up. There's grandpa, there's this, there's this. And now we're caught up again. So let's keep going. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you didn't fool me. You did that to show how you can handle things on the fly. I was like, I would never do that in front of the Chamber of Commerce. That would be really crazy. But thank you for thinking I'm that good. Uh, but no, that was an accident. You well, just you take know, it in stride. You know, Streisand got her, Streisand got her first job. Uh, she walked into the audition chewing gum, which is a no-no. And she sat down on the stool and took her gum out of her mouth and stuck it on the bottom of the stool and sang. And I think it was the audition for Miss Marmelstein. Oh, wow. uh, and, and they can get it for you whole, wholesale. Sure, her big one. Uh, right. And, uh, but after the audition, when she left the stage, they thought, what a kooky girl. They checked the stool and there was no gum. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, she had come in. So That's it's awesome. not a bad, it's not a bad idea to fool people. I guess. Not a bad idea. You know, and if you think about it, it's brilliant because she was fooling the people who less least believe they're foolable. You know, these this are the, true. you know, <laughs> when you direct theater, especially at that level, you know, you think nothing gets by you. It was funny. That story's funny just for that. So, uh, so kudos to you. Thank you. You know, for turning it around, but but it does. It will, it will make audiences remember you. And we've said on this program more than once that even if the mistake takes you or the issue takes you by surprise, and you handle it in a way that's calm and funny, you just said so yourself. You got to laugh. You get a laugh. You the audience. You probably have the audience with you more at that moment. Mm -hmm than you do any other time because it's so spontaneous, right? And they it's think, what, what if it had been me? I couldn't have done that. Right. And you go, boop, you go up a notch in, in their estimation. Yep. You know, 
my speaking career came from that happening to me. I was asked before I'd ever given a keynote or would think to give a keynote. I was asked to come in before a series of speakers. Every speaker was going to get like nine minutes with a whole video series they were doing. And they wanted someone to warm up the crowd. So the woman in charge of it asked, would you come in and just lead the crowd for several minutes in some improv games? I said, well, who's the audience? She said, members of the National Speakers Association. I said, that's oh a God. scary audience. She's like, no, no, they'll be great. They'll be great. Really, it'll be fine. Would you please come in and do it? They'll, it's just like one minute at the beginning where you introduce yourself, a tiny, tiny little speech. Just introduce yourself and then lead them in the games. They won't have their eyes on you anymore. They'll be making lots of noise and laughing. It won't be any pressure at all. So I said, okay. I'm backstage pacing back and forth. I picked out three games that I thought I could do in my time that she gave me. I come out on stage. I'm waiting for the applause to die down. I'm, I'm enjoying like, oh, they're applauding for me. I haven't even said anything yet. And I take a deep breath to start that stupid one minute intro about myself that I practiced a thousand times. And before I can say a word, a voice rings out from across the whole room. It's the cameraman. And he yells out loud enough for everyone to hear. Remember everyone for the entire 11 minutes he's on stage, absolutely no noise in the audience. Keep your eyes on him the whole time. And you speaker guy, make sure you get them to laugh at some point, I need that on tape. And, and I'm there to lead them in games. And I said to them, no, you, miss, you were misinformed. I'm here to get them to not look at me, play games, make lots of noise in the audience. It's just a big warm up. And he yells across the room back, that won't work. Do something else. What do you do at a moment like that? All these professional speakers are looking at someone they knew was not a professional speaker. I couldn't excuse myself from the stage. I couldn't do what I was set to do. And I looked at it and said, well, you know, my background is an improv from my intro. So you're about to see me try that. So I'm going to instead tell you some of the funny stories that have happened to me along the way in the crazy world of improvisation in business and on stage. And he's made it clear that he needs you to laugh at some point. So if I say anything the least bit funny, you are going to laugh, okay? And, and I just started and I got a, a gig out of that. Someone came up to me and says, can you do 20 minutes at such and such club? I was like, I think we just established I'm not a speaker. She goes, you made up 10 on the spot. I'm sure you could do 20 if you plan. Right. And that's where it all kind of came from right. was taking a chance and, and being a good sport about it. Well, you were put in that situation, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but you made the best out of it, right? You yes. made the best of it, right? And what I shared at that, at that other club of hers was what happened that day. I used that as the basis for the speech. We got to fail to succeed. Because if I hadn't taken a chance on failing, nothing successful could have come out of it. Yes, you have to fail to succeed. You're absolutely right. And uh, we have overrated success in this country. Mm -hmm. Yes, And we have not, we're not teaching our children for sure how to accept defeat and how to deal with it and how it should make us stronger and move on. If I could, quick anecdote, I am doing a project for UCI and every year I have to interview 21, 22 um, uh, alumni, they're going to honor the Alumni Association honors. And every year I'm just so taken by the, the talent and the humility of these people. This year, the tenacity is the theme that I see more than anything. Hmm. And the, that just comes from being told no and being told you can't. And you know that's where that comes from. And I'm seeing it in the interviews, I'm hearing it. 
And it just reminds me that, yeah, you know what? You don't get anywhere when you're successful at everything because nothing's a challenge and you don't try harder and you don't you know, work harder. Uh, the real stories of success are exactly what you just talked about. Those people who push themselves beyond the know. Well, you learn I, what you're capable of and you learn what you don't know. And that's huge. If you, know, if you really learn what you don't know, you know where you can go. Yes, but it in college, I was always striving to find out what classes were an easy A. I would take classes I had no interest in just to get an A because I was all about that GPA that I graduated with. And I graduated with a great GPA, but I wish I had taken accounting. I wish I had taken economics. I wish I'd gotten some C's to learn what I could have learned by doing mediocre work. Maybe not, you know, I was competing with the business majors if I'd taken those classes and I got a C, I would have gotten a C. But I, I, I could have used that knowledge in my life. I was just too afraid of failing. Well, we put so much emphasis on grades too. Yeah. I mean, even, even at this level of, even at the graduate level, I see it and I feel it myself, the, you know, people just so wrapped up in what the grade is. And, and I feel it when I don't get every question right. I feel less valuable. It's just, it triggers. It's at this point in my life, I still feel that. And so I can, empathize with people on why that grade is so important because you start to feel like it really does represent who you are yeah no it's so hard Boy, i had a college that, professor yeah. get very mad at me one time because he said why is that a so important to you and i said because i have to get straight a's why because i have to he goes you're not answering my question i said because i have to i mean i didn't really know why except for that it was my goal to have to get that degree with a 4.0. And it did, but you know. A variation on that, going back to something that Anthony was saying earlier about asking for feedback. I have watched so many speakers just kick themselves because out of the 40 surveys they got back, three people didn't like something. And that's all they're gonna focus on. Like 37 people loved it. And those people brought up something that didn't work for them. Guess what? Chances are, if you change that thing, unless you can still actually see that it was a mistake, but if you change who you are to please those three people, you're probably going to lose the 37. Right. You have to pick and choose. Yeah. Trying to be everything to everyone is the easiest path to mediocrity. So true. And, uh, you know, you said something earlier too, that made me think about the idea of partnership and the fact that, you know, so many people are going into business, starting their own little cottage businesses and, so this idea of partnership, I think, is stronger than it's ever been before. I hope so. I hope so, too. And, and, and the other side of that is bringing in partners rather than thinking you can handle it all yourself. Yes. You know, working hard as a lesson. team, really hard lesson. Yeah. yeah really hard I just lesson. want to give Milo kudos for something because he, he demonstrated his um, willingness to fail a couple of weeks ago when we went to see a show together and he made Richard Dreyfus laugh. Ah, did you yeah, make him that laugh? That felt so good that I was like, oh, just in one line passing him, I made him laugh. I'm like, that felt good. So I'd love the line. Oh, gosh. Uh, it was about him swiveling. Yeah, he was sitting at the end of the aisle, but he was sitting at a very strange angle. Like, oh, you can't see my body. I'm ridiculous. But, I could, but he you was, like his, his, legs were, his legs were in the aisle, Yeah, really. assuming. And it was a very like, strange shaped theater, the way it was a pie shape. And so, but he stayed like that for 
through the entire intermission. And then he would go back, everyone's going to say something, and then he'd go back, just hoping that people would pass. And then I, I said, as I passed, I said, you're lucky, you're the, you got the one swivel chair in the whole place. And he laughed. I mean, it wasn't a huge line, but this guy just passing by out of nowhere to say something to him. Because I think everyone was intimidated by him. I was like, well, I have to walk past him. He's on my aisle. Right, so right, I, right. I made him laugh in the process. Not my and best what, line ever, but in the spot. What show were you uh, seeing? What did we see, Alex? What was that one? Blue Broadway. Oh, yes, for Biggest Broadway. Hits. That's right. I wanted to sing to him from his my favorite movie that he did, and I didn't have the courage to start singing Moon Over Parador, but <laughs> next time. I sorry, I review theater, so I've been to, I think, two shows since then. It took me a second to remember what show we'd seen that night. And what other show have you seen? Um, I saw over at the Moxie uh, mother of the maid yes uh, I mean, who would even have come up with the idea what's the story of joan of arc's mother and oh so good so good just really really pulled you in uh the the, the actress nailed it uh so yeah very very interesting program i'm not reviewing it very well right now but i enjoyed a lot of aspects well you'll write about it and people can read the review yeah you did already <laughs> there you go yeah i write, I write for stageandcinema.com and it's been a wonderful partnering with them because they didn't have a San Diego representative. Uh, the guy who was running the thing had read some of my unrelated to theater writings. And he's like, you've got a style for writing. Have you ever wanted to review theater? I was like, if I get to see the shows all for free, he said, you do. Uh, I said, let's try it. And I wrote a review and he goes, okay, you're a good writer and don't know how to write a review. So you need to read a whole lot of reviews and figure out this was not a review. And well, no, that's that's 10 years ago or more, probably 15 years ago. So now I, I know how to write a review. It's it's its own art form. Uh, things you should and shouldn't do in it. Like, can you give us a few examples? You can't use expressions of feeling. I can't say I thought, I felt, I wished. And silly as that sounds to try, it's really hard sometimes to not use the word I or speak in the first person. Uh, also, my personal take, because it drives me crazy when I read reviews otherwise, is I don't want to know the whole plot. I want Thank to you. know why I should see this show. And I have read so many reviews that I was like, you either took away what was interesting or you gave away what was going to be funny. The writer worked so hard to create that. And I should be able to understand if I read a good review why I should or shouldn't see it without knowing everything. Maybe the one exception is if you're like, do not see this show, then maybe you can give away more because if you make it clear from the beginning, by the time you read this review, you're not going to go see it. But I'm a little, they know I'm, I'm an easy, uh, I'm an easy critic. So it, you want me to review your show. I just love theater. So it's hard for me to pan things, but, but my editor is really harsh with me. He goes, if you didn't like it, you better say so. And, uh, and I've had two on occasion. Mm, really? When have you had to say you didn't like something? Oh, I'm not going to be specific. No. Well, That's you've already that. written it. Well, I suppose that's true, but nothing. Well, that's all right. I don't want to. I don't want to carry out the trash again. It's all well, right. I get. It. I'll say it because I like so much of what else they do. Um, I I like so much of what San Diego Musical Theater does, but uh, I I could not recommend their Man of La Mancha. There was just so much wrong with it, and it's a shame because. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, wait, was that? Wait, was that music? Stand? I might have the wrong group. That wasn't as we go. That was Signet. Uh, it just it just didn't come together for me. And Signet does brilliant work, and it's I long saw that show. Did you like it? Oh, I won't ask. You don't have to say if you don't want to. No, say, <laughs> say. I mean, because it's one know. of my favorite shows, so you just gotta do it right. You just gotta. Well, the time I saw it, um, the gentleman who playing the lead, I'm I'm gonna parse my words here, 
uh, was not well mm. and he was losing his voice and he got down on one knee and said, and, and said, I can't go on. I could speak it and, you know, appeal to the audience. And of course, everybody went, you know, crazy, speak the song, speak. And he did. It made, I, I appreciated the fact that he went on. Yes. I always appreciate the hard work and the hard work that they put all put into that show. There were a lot of performances that I thought were stellar. Um, that moment took me completely out of the play because I went, oh my God, was that planned? That was planned. And that's what I felt. And I just, it made me laugh. It was so dramatical. Um, so, yeah. So honestly, I hate to say this. I know there were, there were performances in there that I thought were so amazing, but that's the only moment that I remember from that particular show. I saw you, Real Brenner, speak one of the songs. But they came out in advance and said he's having problems with his throat. He doesn't want to back out. So that one song, the, uh, the Puzzlement song, mm -hmm. that he's going to come out and speak it. We were all so relieved he wasn't going to bail. We were like, oh, speak it. We don't care. So it was, it was a good choice on their part. I feel like I heard him speak something, too, live. Maybe that's just his That would shtick. be a weird coincidence. <laughs> maybe. Have, or maybe we were in the same place at the same time. Oh, wouldn't that have been weird if we were both on Broadway that night? That would have been, well, where things have happened. One of the Where first Broadway shows I ever saw. My uncle had an extra ticket. His wife didn't want to go. And I was like, oh my gosh, Broadway? I, you know, that was a big deal for me. I was probably 13, 14 to be, I think we had like fifth row and there's Yul Brenner. You know, that was wonderful. Such a great show. So if you could go to New York tomorrow, what would you see? I'm embarrassed to say, I don't keep up with Broadway because there's no mm -hmm. point. I'm not going to New York. So it's just frustrating to know what's there. Uh, if you started listing off things, I'd probably go, oh, I've heard that's good, yeah. But I, nothing comes to mind right now that I've heard of. I don't even watch the Tonys. Horrible as that sounds. Like, what's the point? I don't know these shows. Yeah, I, I haven't really been keeping up because it's, you know, some things are coming back. But I did read that the understudy went on today for Fanny Bryce or went on yesterday for Fanny Bryce. And okay, not, you just reminded me. Okay, yeah, that is the show yeah. I would see. Yes, I forgot that it just happened. But and, that's a shame and, that she wasn't able to do it. No, the, 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 so the understudy went on. Yeah, and, that the main actress, the one who's right. getting all the publicity. Right, which is great. But the understudy apparently is great too. I mean, there's which, the brilliant, brilliant people throughout all of New York who don't get roles. There's no reason the understudy shouldn't be amazing. Hey, look there's what happened to Sutton Foster. Right, right. right. What, is, what is the main actress name? Beanie something? Beanie Feldstein? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just loved her in the whole, uh, the FX here was the one about Linda Tripp. She was good in that as yeah. Monica Lewinsky. Uh, although the, the, re the real role in that one, wow, the Linda Tripp role, if she doesn't right. get an Emmy for that or didn't, I don't know. Just brilliant. Just, you, you could not see Sarah Paulson in there as far as how she contorted herself and her voice. So good. She's some actress. She really She's is. So many different roles in the last few years. Yeah. She's right? a chameleon. She's really a chameleon. Ca -ca 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 -ca. Mm -hmm. Chameleon. What is that song? That's Karma Chameleon. Karma Chameleon. That's right. Sing it for us, baby. Sing it. We have to wrap up. Okay. Unfortunately, because you know that's what our producer's telling us. But, but we're not finished with you yet. Okay. Because you know, we have this little game that we 
we like to, you know, reserve for people that we like and know. And so we're going to play with you because we know oh, you like games time. too. Gotta go. Uh, oh. I don't know what's coming. Yay, but okay. So it's just called, it's a very simple game. Very easy. Breathe. It's easy. It's I'm called this or that. Okay. Will Alex will give you an example of this or that. And you just say which one you'd prefer. Easy. There are 10 that. of them. There you go. Exactly. And there's 10 of them. But you, in our game, you can say, oh, I wouldn't like either of those. Once. I'll take what's behind curtain number three. Exactly. Just once, though. Okay. And you can say, I'll take what's behind curtain number one and two. Oh, okay. Just once. Just once. Okay. Otherwise, you have to pick it. How many are there? So I'll know where to, I have to pace my specials. There are 10. Oh, 10. Okay. 10. Yeah. Very good thinking, because a lot of people don't pace their, you know, that's my specials, as you say. Right. All right. Blow your wad, Milo. All Don't right. Are we ready? Yep. Okay. Question number one Improv or team building? Improv. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so much fun to be on stage. And I love working with people with the, with the team building stuff, but I come home and I pass out. It is draining to keep that much energy going with people. But yeah, I love performing. And it's so good to be back to doing it after COVID. People are exhausting. We haven't performed together in a long time. We need to rectify that. Okay. West Coast or East Coast? West Coast with some East Coast transplants around me. Uh, I, I, I love the energy of the East Coast people, but I don't ever want to live back there again. Anywhere, there's no place on the whole coast that's as nice as San Diego. Nope. Where are you from? Long Island. Long Island, okay. Or as I said it then, Long Island. Long Island, yeah, Long Island. Yeah, I know it. Love it when his, when his New York comes out, it's very funny. Okay, this is a personal favorite. Okay. Watch your mouth or <laughs> telestrations. Watch your mouth. I think it's much funnier <laughs> to watch you try and that thing in your mouth. By the way, I meant to tell you guys, I saw, I think it was like, I was at the gym and it might've been like Jenna and Hoda. But they were playing that game. Oh, really? Yes. Really? Yes. I I didn't, I wasn't listening, but I could tell what they were doing. I've I, had I, it for years and I haven't been able to get enough people to play. But because we had enough people, we only needed two or three who were willing for it to be fun. And I've boiled them all since. So we're ready to play again. Hey, that was a blast. I had fun doing that. And actually, on a previous podcast, we talked about it. And I did ask if you cleaned those and boiled them. So oh, thank gosh. you for... Thank you for uh, you know confirming that. Oh, if I knew one was ready, I'd have it ready to stick in my mouth just to show. Right, uh, it packed up. Damn it! That's okay. They can all go to you know YouTube and look at your your video. All right, performing or coaching? Performing. I love coaching, and I never want to give it up. But there's something just exciting about that moment of performing. And let me say it again: people are exhausting. <laughs> I love my clients. But <laughs> no, like, I do too. I'm kidding. But it's not of like course, I'm just kidding. Go no, ahead. it is. It's it's totally different. But it's also right. really nice when I can fail, when I have the opportunity to watch one of them like, oh, she's nailing it. She's looking at, oh, she hit it the way we said. Because yeah, I sometimes get to. So, it, that, you know, I can be a proud papa those times. Proud papa. <laughs> okay. Lady Chablis or Lady Bunny? I don't know who Lady Bunny is. <gasps> oh. <laughs> 
I was going to say Lady Godiva at first because I knew you would know who that is. Yeah, but so. Lady Lady Bunny is a, um, a comedian with a big, big blonde hairdo. <laughs> I will have to check that out. Yes. But, but I have big Lady Shibley not having known. Okay. All right. Swimmers or divers? Uh, you know why you're asking that mm. right now. <laughs> right now, so, divers are on my mind because Greg Luganis yeah. was kind enough for no good reason to be a guest on my, my podcast. So uh, I have to go with divers and, and how amazing he has been in, in so many different ways. And I don't really know too many swimmers. And you have to go with divers because it's Greg Luganis and I one do. degree of separation here. All right. All right. Networking or cocktailing? Uh, why would they be any different? If, if okay. I am, if, if I think I know what you mean by cocktail, like meeting people and having cocktails, unless you mean by pep with friends versus business. Uh, you got to pick one or the other. Of course yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to Do you go. need a cocktail to network? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Maybe I need a definition of cocktailing then. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with networking because I I really enjoy it. I have a great time when I'm meeting new people and finding out what they do. And uh, if I'm not having a cocktail with it, something's wrong. But uh, I wouldn't call it cocktailing. That's the smart choice. Okay. All I right. Also then I had too much to drink in a networking setting and realized that lesson of pacing yourself. Yeah, that's the wrong. People don't choice. remember. I gave up pitch one time and sat down, and then the next person went, and I said. How was I? He goes, fine. Why? I said, I don't remember what I said. I said, he said, what? I said, I, I didn't know I was snockered until I stood up. And that's when it all went right to my head. So lesson learned. I've never seen you snockered. I, I have to make this happen. Really? Oh, we no. got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. No. In that case, cocktailing. That's good. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right. So then with that in mind, martini or Merlot? A sweet martini. I'm not, big on, I'm not big on the super dry stuff, but a sweet martini, yeah. Okay, all right. Streisand, not Streisand, Streisand or Midler? <sighs> it's a hard one. It is. Oh, I'm taking both on that one. I haven't used up my both yet. Oh, no food. I, wa I want Streisand in the background and Midler to sit and watch. Okay. No, okay. you absolutely understood completely. We'd probably go the same way, but we don't have these questions following. No. So thankfully it doesn't come up in life where they're both standing there. I have to send one home. Right, right, right. I go home. Oh, but wait, darling. So your last question. Neither would take it well. Ooh. Mr. Milo. Yes. Your very last question. Yes. Your Seder or Christmas at Alex's? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, since I have to pick, you have lovely friends, but there's nothing like being able to pick who you're inviting. So I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to pick who I'm inviting to my place. Oh, dude. Oh, wait. I have oh. to cancel out some of my closest friendships who aren't at your house. What can now I say? Now you know. Now you know. Except no more Spanakopita for you, my friend. Spanakopita at your place made it tough to choose, but I couldn't pick your place just for the food. It's for the company. True. But so what are, you, what are you saying there? And I got you in both places, so I'm okay. Okay. All right. So you just, you, you, you dug yourself out of that. Good job. Okay. Improv. The so improv, good improvs. He's basically saying that you are more important than your Spanakopita. Yes. 
Oh, there's a choice you should have had me make. I'm not sure which one I'd want you to answer because it was years of perfecting that. That's Spanakopita is, uh, I mean, I'm, my mouth is watering now. Just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. You know what? It's the Spanakopita. I'm done with you. <laughs> okay, see? That, me too. But me now, too. You don't get now you don't get it because nobody makes it like me. I haven't had lunch, so this wasn't a fair question. No, I haven't either. Isn't that something? I, me either. Yeah, it's the, the whole lunch thing. It's like I can put off eating, right? Yeah. Until, you know, until you drop on the floor. <laughs> I keep so, bone broth uh, in stores at my house, so I can so have that people, throughout the day. How do people get in touch with you, Mr. Milo, if they sure. need some coaching? Yeah, uh, I'll give a couple of uh, websites. The, the main website is simply miloshapiro.com. But if you're specifically interested in improving your public speaking and being able to be more effective either in general or a very specific program, go straight to the coaching stuff, which is publicdynamics.com. Public dynamics. You can find it on, on miloshapiro.com, but it's a little more hunting. Do people ever call you Milo? Yes. So on the list of things that I clear with the four pages, it's how to pronounce Milo, which is Milo. Yeah. It's spelled out M-Y-L-O-W. So they get, because I've been introduced to audiences, Milo, and it's like, oh, now that it's said, they're all going to remember right. it that way. So yeah. what you should do is you should say, so my name is Milo Shapiro. I'm going to tell you now how to pronounce it. It's, it's pronounced Milo. <laughs> In California, I've also gotten Shapiro. Shapiro. So I thought That's with Shapiro would be easy, but... Do you blow up? And they think I'm Italian because it ends in an O. <laughs> and if you're Milo, you could be Greek. So you're Greek and Italian, just you, like you me. Could be. Oh, you're my long lost cousin. If I'm in Latino circles, I won't always correct people. Because I'm like, you know what? There's the, it's their word too. That's it. They use the word Milo. So if I went to Greece, I probably wouldn't bother to correct anybody. Right. Because the I is E for them. Yeah. So it is Milo. Yeah. I mean, they're not wrong. They just don't know. But I'd rather right. people ask me if they don't know this. And it's so cute, too, when they say it that way, isn't it? My little Shapiro. My little Milo Shapiro. And I know if they say, oh, like the chocolate drink, I go, you're not from here, are you? Because internationally, Milo is a hugely popular chocolate powder like Ovaltine. Mm -hmm. But it's almost impossible unless you go to some Asian markets to find it here. But I'll, I've gotten Australians and Eastern Europeans. They're like, oh, like the chocolate drink. And I'm like, you're, okay, where are you from? Tell me. And they're like, why, why do you think I'm not from here? Because you knew what Milo was. And we don't have that chocolate drink here. Nope. Nope. It's hard to, you can find it, but you have to really be looking for it. Well, it's because you're a little chocolate drink. Wait, I'm going to show you. Hang on one second. I know this is rude, but hang on. No, it's all right. I think I've seen Milo in the grocery stores. Can of Milo. A can Nestle's of Milo. Milo. Nestle's Milo. Nestle's makes Milo. Isn't that weird that they make it and you can't get it here? I know. Why is it Plus, in a can? Uh, you can get it powdered, but I, I happened somebody gave this to me as like a hey, look what I found. Because everybody thinks they'll be the first one to tell me about it. Is it? And I also people get little Milo chocolate bars that I threw out to the audience when they would answer questions. Beautiful. Yeah, that was a real. I was like, people must have thought he had these made because nobody's heard of it here. But I think I paid two dollars for the bag. So. so how was how how is that in the in the uh, the chocolate milk in the can? I don't really like it because you know those Ovaltine people and Nestle's Quick people. Ovaltine is kind of a more of a malty, not as sweet, and and Milo is more like that. I wish I loved it because it's called Milo, but yeah, no. it's hard to love it. Well, you don't have to open the can. No, no, I, I keep the can. the can just to have it, it's, and it's still got it. But I if you're never looking, opened it, if you're looking for the best chocolate milk on earth. 
Oh, don't drink this. It's dated 2015. That's how long I've had it. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's just right. Just water it down with some bourbon. You'll be fine. Cocktails or, or old Milo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids. We should let you go. This was a real fun pleasure. Oh, it was really great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Really nice to see you too. You too. You too. Bye, darling. It's so nice to have Milo Shapiro with us. I wanted to say Milo Shaparo. Milo Shapiro. 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 That's right. (laughs) (laughs) No, he really, he's a very talented gent and uh, very intuitive uh, Mm -hmm. and works very well with people. Highly recommend him. And uh, if you're looking for him to do uh, a team building or a to MC your event, then let us know because he is available, as we like to say. Yes. And that's it, huh? We should probably bid our dues because you know we've had uh, we've kept people listening for quite a long time, and uh, you know they're probably tired of listening. I mean, I don't know about that, but yeah, you know, we should let them get on to their to their night. There's some people, believe it or not, that this is the dinner hour for. So you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And some people are going to start cooking. I can't wait. <laughs> You're lucky. Oh, lucky. Yeah, yeah. No, not tonight. I can't expect that anymore, you know, because there's too much work. So we just do. Plus, I have to pack. Nonetheless, this has been fabulous. And if you even... Did you get that? I did. I did. Yeah. I, I speak rewind. Thank you. <laughs> if you enjoyed listening to us, please... Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Uh, shout out to Lauren Damal for telling her friends about us. Uh, you. Listen to us just anywhere you'd like. We're on lots of different platforms. And uh, if you have a question for us, please just go to bolada.com. Bolada.com. And look for the podcast tab and just leave your question or your concern right there in the little box. And uh, we'll be sure to address it. For now, we're going to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear you. Goodbye. God, that's crazy. Stay engaging. Mm-hmm.